Early in the morning, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Harod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreh. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues, as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. Three hundred of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. So uh, encouraging to see what God is already doing amongst us uh, here tonight uh, by his Holy Spirit. And I'm just um, acutely aware that as I uh, come to speak to you here tonight, I don't want to get in the way of anything that God is, is already doing. And um, my hope is just to, as it were, sort of comment on what God is doing. And uh, these past three weeks, we've been looking at Gideon and uh, asking the question, what kind of person do I want to be? And what kind of evening service do we want to be? And so far in this series, uh, we've been looking at how, firstly, uh, how God builds us up, how God builds us up uh, in speaking to our identity, and then how God strips us back. We looked at idols last week, uh, looking at idolatry. And this week, uh, finally, I want to speak on ideal, ideal, identity, idolatry, and ideal. And not in the sense of uh, idealistic, uh, you know, like, uh, Jamie, in an ideal world, it would be really nice to have this, uh, but we live in the real world. But each of us, each of us have an ideal life, uh, a life that we're hoping for, that we would uh, like to live, an ideal destination, and also an ideal way of getting there, an ideal destination, an ideal way of getting there. And Gideon has one too. The destination of, of peace and at the promised land of God's presence. And the ideal way of getting there, a, a big army, a big army to defeat the Midianites. I wonder what your ideal destination is, and I wonder what your ideal way of getting there is. If you spare a thought, you may have seen this in, in the news. For those at Bristol Airport this week wanting to get to their ideal destination, but also wanting to pray in the multi-faith uh, prayer room, just off the Silver Zone car park roundabout. Step aside, Christopher Wren. <laughs> we don't need your architecture uh, to lift our eyes and our gaze to God to connect with God. On, uh, on Tuesday this week, I was uh, getting ready for work, and it was also my wife Louise's birthday this week, and so I was going to take her out to lunch uh, here in Clapham, and uh, as I was getting ready for work, we have two uh, very young children, and I suppose in my sleep-deprived state, I thought, I'm going out for lunch with my wife, maybe I'll wear some cologne today. Uh, 
and um, <coughs> thought I'd put in a bit of effort. Um, but in my sleep-deprived state, instead of reaching for the cologne, I reached for the room spray. Uh, so that entire day, I, I smelled of chamomile and lavender. Uh, I've never had a more relaxing morning at work. <laughs> I had the, uh, the right destination in mind, but not exactly the right method. What is it for you? What are you aiming for? Move out of London, build your career, find a place to live, start a family, whatever it might be. And then um, whether or not it's true, things seem harder than they did before harder than they did for uh, the parents' generation of, of most of the people here tonight. And we can find in our lives that there's this, there's this expectation gap between uh, the life that we hope to live and the reality amongst us. And we see that in chapter 6, where Gideon says uh, in verse 13, Pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. So why, why has this all happened to me? You know, where are God's wonders? Where is he? And of course, of course, there are, there are times in our lives where we will go through suffering and, and there's times when it's, it's totally not our fault. But God here, he is, he is teaching Gideon and his people about his presence. And as we're looking at last week, they need, to, they need to get rid of their idols, what we saw. And today there's, there's this um, one final idol that he wants to get rid of. And it's uh, the idol of self-reliance, the idol of self-reliance, and to replace it with the ideal of God's strength. The ideal life is lived in the Lord's strength. The ideal life is lived in the Lord's strength. I've not seen it yet, but I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Ridley Scott's new film, Napoleon, uh, which has the tagline, he came from nothing and he conquered everything. Now, I, I hate to be a pedant. Um, <coughs> Waterloo. Um, <laughs> But actually, uh, actually, Gideon here, Gideon, we've seen that he has come from nothing. He's come from nothing. He's about to conquer everything. And so how does he do it? How does he do it? In verse 2 of our reading tonight, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. Often, uh, when we experience God uh, stripping us back, it comes in, in two stages. There's the first stage, which um, feels like a, a blow at the time. You know, um, this... this um, stripping back of the army does not seem like the ideal method uh, to win a war. You've got 32,000 men in your army and God is taking away uh, 10,000. Although, although those 10,000, they were the fearful ones in the army. And in an army, the last thing you want are soldiers who are afraid. And they can, they can be a really unhelpful influence in an army and they can, they can um, sow panic throughout uh, the fellow soldiers. 
So strategically, this, this stripping back, this first stripping back that God does, it, it makes common sense. But then after that stage of stripping back, there's another stage of stripping back that doesn't make common sense. Not even the government's newly appointed minister for common sense uh, can make sense of this kind of uh, stripping back. We read in verse 4, But the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So that first stage has seen 32,000 men reduced to 22,000 men. And then we get them reduced to just 300 men. You know, this, is a, this is a crazily small amount of people to take on the Midianites. You know, that is a reduction of 99% of the army. Just imagine, just imagine the front page of the Telegraph if the defense minister did that uh, to our army. And this army, they did not have safety in numbers. They didn't have strength in numbers. And so they're going to have to find their strength in God. You know, didn't God say in the first week we looked at, didn't God say, go in the strength you have? And Gideon's got 32,000 men. And this feels like God is taking away his strength, not adding to his strength. You would, you would want to hold on to that strength. But this is not their strength. And just as uh, going to the gym builds muscle, uh, we all know that staying in your comfort zone does not make you a resilient person, does not uh, build your strength. And although, yes, God wants Gideon to become resilient, it's strength that comes actually through depending on him. I remember uh, six and a half years ago uh, arriving at HDC, and uh, I was supposed to be the new shiny associate minister, uh, but I didn't feel particularly shiny at all. Uh, in the year before, I'd um, burnt out because of the way that I was working, and I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue, and I had to take three months off work, and although I lived next to a church building, I didn't even go into a church building uh, for three months. And so when I arrived here at HTC, <laughs> um, I, I did feel pretty burnt out. And um, then, uh, just as I was arriving to, uh, my girlfriend dumped me uh, three weeks before I was due to take her brother's wedding. And, uh, and then, too, the night before I was due to preach all day on Sunday, um, I got gastro, and I woke up at 2 a.m. on my bathroom floor, and I lost a stone in weight, and I was also unable to, I was un unable to do that, and I was un unable to, to, to speak to the Connect Group leaders that I was due to be speaking to as well. And at the time, it felt like this stripping back. It felt humiliating, actually. And in that time, I was asking God, God, where are you in this? What are you doing in this moment? I believe that you've called me here to this church. But God was teaching me that I needed to find a new strength. And that as he was stripping back the things that I've been relying upon and depending on, he was wanting to give me a new intimacy with him and to let his power flow through me in a new way. The ideal life is lived in the Lord's strength. It's lived in the Lord's strength. And you and I, we're going to need God's strength if we're going to play a part in his purposes. Because the ideal life is the Lord's idea. 
The ideal life is the Lord's idea. There's a lesson here to learn, not only about strength, but also about the, the direction of travel that we're headed in. Not only does God say, go in my strength, but he also says, you are to save Israel out of God's, out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Unless God is sending you, don't bother. Unless it's the Lord's will. It's, it's only worth doing if it's the Lord's will. And if you're here tonight um, and you know the account of Gideon well, you may have wondered if over these three weeks uh, we'd look at the area of discernment and uh, when, when Gideon asks God for a sign. But Gideon's problem is not actually discernment. Gideon's issue is obedience. God has been clear with Gideon what he wants him to do. And maybe, maybe you're here tonight and uh, you're feeling your strength wasting away uh, because not only are you not operating in God's strength, but you're also going after something that is not God's idea. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Do we, do we set off in pride or do we set off in prayer? Sometimes, like Gideon, we don't actually need to, to find out what God is wanting. Sometimes it's very, very clear what God wants. Go and make disciples of all nations. And so if we're asking here tonight, should we go? You know, what part of the word go don't we understand? The final verse of the book of Judges ends with, uh, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. It's a warning to us. And the wonder, the wonder of God in Gideon is, is not um, that God gives us signs. It's not that God shows up sometimes in our lives in powerful ways. You know, God is God. He's a big God. He can do big and powerful things. The thing that, that really takes a miracle, that really should fill us with wonder, is when prideful human beings, to whom God has given complete free will, say not my will, but your will be done, God, in my life. I want your will for my life. And I'm going to go after you, and I'm going to go after your will with all of my heart. There's no point having an ideal way of getting there if it's the wrong destination. And if putting our ladder up against the wrong wall, succeeding really, really, really well at things that don't matter, traveling along the track of your, your industry or your family and what they expect of you, enjoying a relationship with someone that is not going to encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ, whatever it might be, a success for Gideon looks like obedience. Obedience not to his own ideas, but to God's ideas and to God's plans. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts higher than our thoughts, Isaiah tells us. And the ideal life, the ideal life is lived for the Lord's glory. Not your own glory, 
You know, Gideon doesn't exactly cover himself in glory, ultimately. Gideon is not a hero. He does not wear a cape. The point of Gideon is to point us to God. And that's, that's also the point of you and me. That's the point of you and me. There's that, uh, there's that brilliant quote, a brilliant quote, a wise man once said, it's amazing what you can accomplish when you do not care who gets the credit. <laughs> oh, look. Actually, I asked the person uh, who first came up with that if I could use that quote, and they said, yeah, it's fine, I don't care who, who you credit. <laughs> um, let's have a look. Let's have a look at verse 2 again. Um, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. It's quite interesting here that, that boasting in yourself is actually boasting against God. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Anything, anything that I've sought to take into my own hands, to do in my own power, has fallen flat. And when we think about it, it's really silly to boast in our own strength because our own strength doesn't save us. You know, we can live our lives, busy lives, busy programs. And yes, we believe in salvation by grace alone. We need to be careful that as we focus on that, that we, we don't actually slip into a, a works righteousness in our own lives. You know, God, I've done X, Y, and Z for you. I've done my quiet time. We turn into the, the older brother in the prodigal son parable. And we, we become bitter. God, I've done my bit. And so we become bitter. We, we read in verse seven, God is the one who delivers us. He saves us. And our fears are stilled and our strivings cease. Brother Lawrence uh, was a Carmelite monk and he didn't fight wars. He spent more time with pots and pans. He didn't wear a cape and he died in nobody. But everybody who calls himself a follower of Jesus should want to know his insights. And he said this, for many years I was bothered by the thought that I was a failure at prayer. Then one day I realized that I would always be a failure at prayer. And I've got along much better ever since. Practice the presence of God. God has got you. And you live your best life. You live your ideal life when you glory in God's glory and all that he has done for you. And the wonderful thing is that God has, has tied together his glory with your good. And we see that in that the Lord saves us. We see that in what the apostle Paul writes and also what Jesus says. Seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. It's a wonderful discernment tool, actually. It's the answer to, to every question. What should I do for a job? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Where should I live? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How should I spend my time? 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How should I spend my money? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Who should I date? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Who should I marry? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. And you and I, we are in a battle like Gideon. We are, we are in an army. And, and that idea of being in a battle, that idea of being in an army might seem outdated. As you think of like hymns like Onward Christian Soldiers and Christian Charities named after armies, it all feels a bit uh, Victorian. But I met someone last week from the Salvation Army uh, and she is involved in helping people who've been rescued from human trafficking. That sounds like the kind of army I think is worth being part of. God's kingdom, God's kingdom is, is always advancing. His kingdom is always on the move. And the question for you and me is, are we going to be part of it? Will you seek it? Will you seek his kingdom? Will you seek his righteousness here in Clapham, here in London, as it is in heaven? The ideal destination and the ideal way of getting there are actually the same thing. It's the Lord's presence. Here we see God's people. God's people were supposed to, to take the promised land, the land of God's presence. And how were they supposed to get there? By God's presence. And God intends for you and me to live with him forever in eternity. That wonderful day when all our tears will be wiped away, when all your dreams will be fulfilled, a reality greater than you can imagine, a whole kaleidoscope of wonder and amazement and joy. And the way that you get there is God's presence. Jesus died on the cross to, to pay for my sin and for your sin. And the goal for him doing that was always so that we might know closeness with him, that we might know intimacy with him and relationship with him. And you and I, we can experience that now by God's Holy Spirit. God has been speaking to us so much these past three weeks, even tonight earlier in the worship, about that sin that gets in the way of us enjoying that relationship with him. We see that Jesus is glorified. This glory of God, Jesus is glorified when he is lifted up on the cross. And that is what we glory in. It always comes back to the cross. This, this good news that the king has returned. He is risen again. And, and at, at Advent, we not only look back, but we also look forward. We look forward to Jesus' coming again. That's our glory. So don't use God to get things. Get God. Make him your goal and just watch. Just watch everything else get thrown in. In a moment, we're going to take communion. And we know that Jesus' body, his blood, make it possible for us to, to commune with God and uh, as Rosie was saying, after the service, we've got extended worship um, where there's no agenda, just love for God's presence. And whether or not you can stay tonight, can I encourage you not to treat tonight, not to treat 
the worship, the talk, the communion, the extended worship as, as just isolated incidents. But to make this the plan for your life, to, to fully inhabit the, the land of God's presence, here and now. Brother Lawrence was right. He was not a man who, who set aside pockets of time to go to God and then to go away. But he made it his goal to spend every waking moment, his default setting, in God's presence, and not for any other sake than to enjoy God. And if we get there, we'll know that we've won a victory. Amen? Amen. Would you like to stand as we come to communion?